This is episode 48. 47. All right. Um, it's been a while. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 47 of Corporate Lunch, the GQ-style podcast. I'm Noah Johnson. I'm here with Rachel Seville-Tastian. That's me. And Sam Hine Productions. Hey. Sam Hine Productions is um, mic'd up. He moved over to the New table. year, new me. New year, new pod. Same pod. Um, thanks for tuning in. It's um, We're here. We've uh, made the long commutes here to the tower this morning, and we're prepared to talk about fashion, clothes, shopping, celebrities, scammers, get-rich-fast schemes. Um, oh, Sam went to Telfar last night. I did. What happened? It looked rowdy. Telfar was rowdy. Was it, it was, a transcendent experience? Uh, I would just say it was really fun. It was just a fun-ass time. Can you tell and us who Telfar cool. is? Uh, so, yeah, Telfar is... A person um, and a label. Yeah, Telfar. His name is Telfar Clemens. Um, and he started making clothes in 2005. And fast forward 14 years, um, and he's still he's still kicking, which is pretty amazing, actually, if you what think about it. What was going on in 2005? Considering how many brands, especially in New York, have like come and gone and, and fizzled out. In that time period, he's still he's sort of like at the height of his powers now. Do you know what's crazy? What was happening in 2005? Tell As me. I was reading this morning. That's when Helmet Lang left Helmet Lang. Wow. Wow. So that's how long. That's ago how that far was. back yeah. we're going. I was in college. I didn't know shit about shit. Yeah. The show last night it was at Irving Plaza, and um, there was no runway. The runway was actually just models crowd surfing off the stage. Right. So uh, they on top of the crowd. It was at Irving. It looked like a huge crowd. It was pretty big. It was there was almost a riot outside before because they were like an hour behind schedule and no one was getting in, um, and people were people were starting to get a little crazy. Telfar is one of these guys who, because he's been around so long, and he just has like a loyal fan base, right? And mm-hmm. but a particular like type of fan base that has like massive energy and turns out when he needs them to. Yeah, it was a weird. It was an interesting counterpoint because. I, the other big show that I went to was Tom Ford um, the night before. And those were like the two shows, I think, at Fashion Week that like it felt like people outside of like the immediate fashion community were kind of excited about. Like there was just like a lot of other people, um, some celebrities, some, you know, a lot of like there was a lot of clients at Tom Ford. It was like it just yeah. felt like a bigger sort of like event. Um, Telfar was they, they were both weirdly. They were both sort of like political shows in a way. Um, this is my Tim Blanks review. Um, <laughs> Keep going. Uh, but like Tom Ford, that sort of manifested in like the clothes were just like kind of more casual and comfortable. And he told a bunch of editors after the show that he was sort of reacting to the political climate and how like tired he is of it and how he just wants to be comfortable. Um, so Fair he made enough. like a lot more velvet and sort of like, <laughs> chill, I guess, like relaxed for Tom Ford clothing. Yeah. Um, and, and then the theme of Telfar was country and Jeremy O'Harris, the playwright, um, who did slave play. And, um, I think he has a play coming out called daddy as well. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he wrote this, uh, like soliloquy that he delivered basically throughout the entire, um, Telfar performance. And it was called country and it was sort of like, it, it almost like felt like a, it was, it was sort of like, um, you know how like after the state of the union, there's always like the response that. Um, the Democrats do. Yeah. It was kind of like that, but it was like the Telfar State of the Union response. It was really cool. Um, and uh, and yeah, and like DJ Total Freedom was playing 
and then afterwards this uh like hardcore rap outfit called horror oh yeah which is spelled h-o-9-9-0-9 um played and then the is that a group or a guy horror it's a group yeah there's like three dudes horror has um strong instagram vibe that's what i know about horror do you know about horror no what's the vibe on instagram um kind of like gutter punk taken to like gutter punk Mm -hmm. meets some sort of like what i would just call like soundcloud rap aesthetic um in just just like in terms of like the energy and the approach i don't know much about it but it seems like a uh a hardcore punk uh equivalent to like uh, something like a little uzi vert or something like that just in terms of like energy and aesthetic and like full commitment to a lifestyle that matches both i dig it what's the music like though hectic yeah hectic and then nikel performed yeah and how was that? That he was just, good. He just put in a fucking awesome, just put an yeah. album out. He has a, I didn't realize this, but he has a huge fucking awesome tattoo on his stomach. Yeah. Just the logo. Yeah. It's pretty sick. Wow. Um, yeah, that was good. A lot of, it was sort of like some people cleared out by the time Nikel performed because the whole thing was like way behind schedule. But um, I, he, I didn't really see the performance because I was interviewing Telfar backstage at that point. But hmm. Um, hmm. Hmm. for what? For GQ.com? Mm hmm. GQ.com. For Esquire. For Esquire. <laughs> Chill. Moonlighting. Um, and then I, I also talked to Babak Radboy, yeah. who's Telfar's creative director. Right. Um, who it turns out is super cool. It's awesome that Telfar has a creative director. Yeah. yeah. And this he, they've been friends for a long time. And this dude, Babak, um, just sort of like went to a show in 2013, I think, um, a Telfar show. And he said it was amazing, but like nobody was there. And he got really mad. <laughs> So he was like, I'm going to be your creative director. And he started like helping him with visuals and stuff and kind of made Telfar Clemens, the man, like kind of become the face of the brand, whereas before he sort of wasn't. Yeah. Um, and it also sort of, I think he also kind of pushed the clothing in, in a different direction. Like it used to be a little bit like more difficult to wear. And now Telfar just makes like logo belts and t-shirts, like graphic tees. And that tote and, like, bag. Yeah, the tote bag, like an $100 sort of leather tote bag with the T sort of symbol. And I, th- I think a lot of people think that Telfar is like really weird and kind of like unapproachable and difficult. Well, it was for a long time. It was for a long time, and the and the um, you know the mar- like the the imagery is pretty sort of it's pretty out there. But and and that's kind of like Babak's whole thing. Um, but the clothes are like really cool basics that like anyone can wear it. You know, it's not like super avant garde shit. Hell yeah. We back Telfar. Telfar's so we back Telfar. Um, I've been trapped in the Content Tower Making magazine, so I don't really have. I went to the Bodie presentation. Uh, friend of the pod, Emily Bodie. That's the only show we all went to. Um, we all rolled up. Everybody rolled Whole squad. up. Um, it was pretty sick. She had a band playing. Her friends from college. They were called In India, right? Made in India, I think. Well, they were they were um, they had a drummer on the roof uh, for um, replacements fans out there. I think you'll catch that reference and lots of um, patchworky corduroy vintagey, you know, like the the Bodhi aesthetic taken to a new place. I guess was it taken to a new place? I thought so. I thought it looked kind of hipper. That sounds like a negative, but it's not. I thought it looked a little like cooler and more like sort of street savvy and not quite as like delicate and fancy and a little bit more like tough the logo sweaters were really nice there was logo yeah knits bodie 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 
I could also see people who wouldn't normally wear her clothes being really into like that penny jacket. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was funny. It probably feels good to wear it. It's like heavy. Do you think it's an yeah. extra dollar? You know, on like you have the wholesale to definitely cost pay. because there's probably a hundred pennies in it. I don't know how many pennies. Yeah, were but in there it. were like these like corduroy patched suits that were like kind of like pajamas, but kind of like had less. They they looked to me less like quilts and more like um, cool like. 70s gear I don't know Rachel's not buying it <laughs> she's looking at me like what what else what did you see um I haven't really seen a lot well I was looking forward to seeing Pierre Moss but I'm not gonna see that now what happened he decided not to show actually in a in a great turn of phrase he just posted on Instagram and was like I'll just do something when I'm ready nice damn yeah it was really cool um, you know who else isn't doing anything is Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> As we heard this morning. Can we get a can you explain to me what happened because I just don't get it. Well, apparently someone contacted Philip Pline and said I'm Kanye's rep. Uh-huh. And he'll perform at your show. Philip Pline, the Russian designer? He's, he's German. Why do I think he's Russian? I know why, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Um, Philip Pline, the German designer who's like sort of trying to take over the world with his sort of glam, gaudy glam, high-end party fashion line, right? Yeah, but a lot of, I guess a lot of what you see is like the super like blinged out, on it. okay, I guess it's like, it's Ed Hardy. That's what it yeah, looks like to yeah, me. Yeah, but done, but Ed Hardy meets like Balmain or something, right? Right, Like kind of Dutch, totally. Ed Hardy, but meant to be executed and like presented and worn at, in a high fashion way. Right. And he always splashes out and has like Future or like Tayana Taylor He's got or dull. like Nicki Minaj. I don't know if Nicki Minaj yeah. performed once. I think she may have. I saw a Philip Pine show a few years ago in Milan at a public pool mm-hmm. where Theophilus London performed on a jet ski in the pool while there were like fireworks going off. So it's believable that Kanye, it was believable that Kanye West would have performed. Yeah. If, I guess if, so. Uh, yeah, if brands like if, if you're Br- Philip Pline, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you're Philip Pline, it's definitely believable. Well, because Philip Pline, like, I mean, if if Telfar like sort of reacts to the political moment, Philip Pline fully like leans into it and, and embraces it, and like, like uh, you know, Tiffany Trump goes to his shows and sits front row. It's like yeah, pretty yeah on, it's pretty on the nose. When I went. Oh How right, so there could have been ideological. Uh, uh, alignment alignment that Absolutely. could have led to something like this well that's why the Kanye West thing made sense to me right it didn't make sense to me because Philip Pine doesn't have real fashion cred which Kanye is super sensitive to but hey I was ready to be, to be the, the the show is at the grill and the pool and black, the pool it's black tie right yes I wonder if it won't be black tie anymore because Kanye's not going to be there R.I.P. So Philip Pine sent out an invite that says Kanye West is performing. When is the show, by the way? Monday night. Okay. But so this guy contacted Philip Pine and was like, I'm Kanye's rep. Yeah. Which seems pretty easy to check, but okay. But I mean, we know was... Kanye's reps. They're all like, yeah. people know who they are. But apparently right. he was like good music affiliated or he or he had been in the past. He was like someone who was sort of like. You know, he was like Kanye's cousin who stole the hard drive or whatever. <laughs> if, if he was who he says he was. So then Philip Pine wired him $900,000. <sighs> I 
and like, now and he's we'll gone. give you the other hundred thousand after the show. Yeah, what an <laughs> advance, ninety percent. <laughs> right. Good terms for Kanye. But is that all it costs? Is a million dollars to book Kanye? I think that number no. seems low to get Kanye to do this, but I mean, I don't know. That's a crazy amount of money, like but now for we a twenty-minute performance. But now, I do <laughs> think, given given that it also equals a cosign for this brand, given that it's like it's like a marketing campaign essentially for Philip Pline, I think that's that's low. Now we know what Philip Pline is willing to pay. Mm-hmm. To us. A million dollars. Right. Yeah, but we don't know because the the For phony, the minutes. scammer rep was probably like, what is it like in a, <laughs> he was like $1 million. Yeah. And then like his bro Austin was like, Powers. you should have sent $10 million. Yeah, it's <laughs> an Austin Powers moment. Thank you for saving me there. Yeah. It feels like it could have been an Austin Powers moment where the dude is like, like Philip Pine gets the contract, he's like, all he wants is a million. Like, yeah, easy, done. I'll wire it now. And then immediately the dude's like, shit. It's wild Should've that, said 10 that Philip Pine has a million dollars in cash on hand. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's an independent business, right? Do we know? I don't know anything about Philip Pine's business. Can we get a fact check on this? I feel I like know. we can't really go into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but so the important thing is that TMZ got the scoop today that this was um, this person was not a Kanye West rep because Kim tweeted Kanye's not performing anywhere at New York Fashion Week. This is it's a rumor. rumor, which is a hilarious thing because you're kind of like, yeah, Kim, it's a rumor, but it's also printed on the invite that went out to like the New York Times editors. Like, what's the... it seemed like they maybe should have issued a little bit more information than yeah. Than it's just Kim just tweeting. A rumor, yeah. I like that as a statement. According to Wikipedia, Pline is the 275th richest individual or family in Switzerland in, as of 2016. Wow. And he started making dog beds. Yeah, luxury dog product. beds. <laughs> so <laughs> sick. I wonder, does anyone still have a Philip Pline luxury dog bed? DM Sam Hine if you have a Philip Pline luxury dog bed that you sleep on or that your dog sleeps on. <laughs> it's certainly nicer and more expensive than my bed. All right, so we got to do some research on Philip Pline. Um, and uh, learn more about his um, family dog bed business. But, you know, where, like, at some point, the scammers win, right? Like, at some point, the scammers are the good guys. Like, at some point, you're just like, why aren't I scamming? This is the way the world works. I'm just sitting here doing normal stuff, not making $900,000, you know? I think there are two kinds of scammers, you know, like well, there's there are, definitely some bad people out there. Well, there are scammers <laughs> who are. Yeah, but there are even scammers who do bad things who people root for, you know, like people were kind of rooting for Anna Delvey because of yeah. who mm-hmm. she was scamming. Yeah. They were like, we want to see these like kind of silly, like Soho art snobs get scammed definitely. by this woman. So yeah. people were kind of rooting for her. Yeah. But then there are other scammers like I don't perhaps the one who scammed Grace Coddington who mm. people were not rooting for that scammer. You're just yeah. stealing from somebody right. who like, it's like, wait, we like that person. Mm-hmm. Well, this, I mean, it continues to be, the scammer continues to to dominate the narratives that I care about personally. Um, you know, there's a, a scammer in the White House, as has been noted, there are, um, we're surrounded by scammers and Philip Pline got scammed publicly Maybe it maybe that maybe things will change. Maybe, I wonder who who he's going to book now and if he's going to get his nine hundred thousand dollars back. Maybe there will be a part two, uh, so we don't speculate. And then there was the Dan Mallory 
Is that his name? Yeah. Story in the New Yorker mm-hmm. this week that everyone should read, even if, which is a, a long and and deeply reported piece about a um, a sexy uh, fiction writer, genre fiction writer slash literary agent who basically just uh, has been lying to everyone for years about having cancer, about various dark personal the, things. The creepiest and part somehow. Was the- were the emails that he wrote as his brother? Yeah, he did. He had some really good scam tactics in there um, that were pretty, pretty, pretty harmful, I guess, to people. Um, unclear how his like scamming affected his success. Right. It seemed like a lot of people were jealous. Yeah. Like, did it seem like this? His scam was his success was a direct result of his scamming. No. Well, people kept saying like he writes great emails though. Yeah. Like which all these, as, as never, if that were an excuse. Which Matt Lynch, both uh, yeah. friend of the pod, Matt Lynch pointed out on Twitter that um, just confirms the the fact that never trust anyone who writes good emails. Of course not. Absolutely true. Um, what there was another good scam this week, wasn't there? Did you encounter any scams? I just want, well, I want to shout out Telfar again because when I was <laughs> speaking <laughs> not to bring of everything scammers, back. no, but um, he and he and um. Babak used to um, they used to just Photoshop like Telfar logos and clothing onto celebrities like Rihanna and Kanye, um, and just like put them on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, and uh, and then they would go to Europe to like meet with buyers, and all the buyers would be like, <laughs> be like, oh, you guys are the guys that dress Kanye. They'd be like, yeah, sure, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and sell all this clothes to people who like thought that they were like Rihanna's favorite brand. I mean, I guess it's Great. part it's awesome. part of why people like to scam in that way is that like no one feels like you can do anything fairly anymore. Right. You know, yeah. if you operate yeah. in an ethical or moral way, like you're gonna get screwed over. Right. So exactly. you've got a scam, and everyone knows that you know capitalism is unsexy and uncool. Right. Yeah, and so you should just take advantage of it by straight up scamming as opposed to operating as like you know under a capitalist. Well, and at Fashion Week, at Fashion Week, the scammers have been out in force. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like the amount of people who who kind of just dress up and don't go to shows but go try to like find Phil O or Tommy Tan. Oh yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that's that's there's like a whole scam economy around around Fashion Week of people just trying to get checks from brands because they think that they're like insidery fashion people when they really just kind of like hang out. Phil O himself was once a scammer. He was. Oh, Phil's a great. Phil O is a great scammer. Yeah. Um, he's. Well, let's have. We got to have him on the pod yeah. to talk about his Big scam the pod. when he's back. Um, you were in Paris for the. Be- so we're in the middle of a, a run of fashion, live fashion events, spectacles that, what it began with men's shows, right? In, in uh, London. you know, London, and then they go to Florence, then they go to Milan, then they go they go to Paris. That whole thing. Then that overlaps with women's couture shows in Paris. Celine Dion week. Wow. Celine Dion. Um, we should do an episode about Celine Dion. We really should. Where is she at fashion? She was in the front row. Oh, this is a good topic. She's in the front row of what? Sh- of Valentino. Valentino. Weeping. Yes. As she witnesses just fashion, an onslaught of beautiful well, fashion. Well, so they, they played- or was there something um, more to it? Yeah, there was something more to it. They, they played, played the Celine the song. Dion song. <laughs> they played My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> they played uh, the song that was played at her, that she played at her wedding to her recently. That's a, that's a scam, I think, right there, wow. in a yeah, way. Yeah, I know it was a little mean of them to do that. Yeah. It's like, easy to fact check. Come on. They knew that they were fucking with Celine. They were in her head. Yeah. 
She's a very reactive person, though. I can and imagine. Which, it's really interesting to watch her watch a fashion show because everyone else is so cool. Yeah. You know, like you're not supposed to emote in any way, at right. least at women's wear shows. I don't, you know. The men's shows, there's a lot of like fist pumping and right. like jumping up and high fiving and <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> <laughs> like raising the room. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she, I mean, like I sat across from her at Armani and she was like really swooning the entire time. I mean, I back that. Yeah. You're not really supposed to emote too much because you're not, um, that could get in the way of the photographers. The idea is that the audience is crowded very close to the runway and the photographers are in a pit at the end and they have a lane. And if you... For instance, cross your legs. Famously, they shout uncross your legs because the cross legs create a visual, you know, it's a eyesore in their photo. Yeah, but so I don't if think... me raising the roof would be maybe similarly, I don't know. I don't think that's why people aren't raising the roof. <laughs> They're not like, I just really respect the photographers. <laughs> All right, true. I, I, that's what, well, that's not why um, I don't raise the roof. Um, wait, why, why don't we then? Because it's I uncool. Think Enthusiasm it's uncool. is uncool. Yeah. I Why? So. I'm enthusiastic. I think people you just are have to really, hide it. You're really worried about standing out at Fashion Week. Even though you're dressed like a maniac. Yeah, but you're dressed like a maniac within a certain set of boundaries. Right. No one's know? really... Like, no one's wearing, you know, like, a crazy snakeskin outfit. If you're dressed like a maniac, although someone should, but, like, if you're dressed like a maniac, you're wearing, like, oh, this person has got, like, this recognizable, like, handbag and, like, these recognizable shoes yeah. and, like, blah, blah, blah. It's flexing. It's not, you know, sh- it's not, like, being ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous, but that's not the point. Right. Do you think, like, the idea of the stern sort of fashion editor has just trickled down to the rest of the front There's definitely an attitude. Well, you you follow the lead of the, the, like, most respected person in the room or something. I mean, I'm sure that's, like, that's how it's developed. It's not, like, a thing that happens um, at each show. There's not, like, a new atmosphere. It's sort of the same because it's kind of, like, all the same people are sitting across from each other pretty much every time. And then... A certain kind of like oh for the course over the course of years and then there's like a decorum is sort of like developed right yeah and then but- you go to Telfar and it's like rowdy and well I mean people break the mold and that's cool I mean for years he doesn't do it anymore but for years Raph Simmons never had a seated show right mm-hmm. he only started seating shows I think when he came to New York which is silly but, but again even his first show in New York was in that alley oh that's right in Chinatown yeah yeah he sat rocking and then the one with the, the one with the banquet was uh, was also that standing. was standing, right. yeah. But then the Calvin shows were seated. The Calvin shows were seated, but then the Raf show at Gagosian was seated. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That was a Raf Simmons show, I think. Right when the the debut of like the pearl necklaces and the look. Um, I didn't raise the roof at those shows either, but it was a nice, you know, break. There's a very corporate atmosphere in the United States. Or in New York, yeah, at fashion shows, because it's more is more business. Yeah, what? Yeah, because there's like sponsored water under yeah. every seat. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, but I think I actually think like you know, like the average <laughs> editor is not going to raise the roof in Paris, but like there are people there who are raising the roof. You know, like there are so many more people who are just there for fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of like, you know 
women bring their husbands or like it's a lot of people who are like pals with the designers it's like football in europe yeah soccer those stadiums it's two hundred thousand people and they're losing their minds endlessly for hours and you go to an american football stadium and like yeah there's cheering but then there's like a lot of people like half asleep too drunk no no that's true i think maybe different type of pride but there are different it's different like if in europe if you go to antwerp there's like you know people who are like like margela and andy muleister and raf simmons are like great heroes of their country mm-hmm. you know and it like matters it's not just like they're fit that day there's a deeper i mean we america has ralph and yeah we rally Tommy, yeah Telfar. and ralph had a very nice presentation but ralph like they keep it, I think, probably because of what a big, how important he is. It's kept the Ralph thing is kept really quiet, right? Mm-hmm. It's I mean, last baller. season he had that big black tie dinner attended thing. I'm just talking about like fans, like thousands and thousands of fans, like in the street for a Ralph thing. The way like, I don't know, Armani mm-hmm. in Europe has bigger crowds outside, right? Yeah, I think it's like a little bit the nature of. Do people do people like wait and like hang out outside? all the shows in Paris and Milan. Yeah. yeah, and there's like police barricades set up so like there's this crazy thing that happens where you exit you know they have theaters built for their shows cuz they right. that's kind of how it works. There's shows like Armani, right? Armani shows are always in the Armani the ta- the the Tato Ando. Tato Ando building and the women's shows are there, the men's shows are there. This is the couture show. There's no couture show, but is the, the couture show is in Paris. In Paris. So it's a, like Why does Armani have a couture show? Isn't it, don't you have to be in Paris? They're a guest of the oh, nice. Yeah. Anyway, you you exit this theater and there is a police barricade back at the street and there are kids pressed up against the barrier. Like like many 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 rows back. But often they're just there for like the YouTube star who walked in the show or something, right? Yeah, or like, you know, like the cool French celebrities. Yeah, who I don't, you know, yeah. I, I can never identify. Right. I think they're all screaming Noah's name. Right. Well, it's weird because you come out and you're confronted and they, a, a lot of people will look at you and look you right in the face and, you know, pretty quickly determine whether or not you're important or worth noticing. Monsieur Johnson. <laughs> but they, you still get like a flicker of like, of like hopeful, right. <laughs> a sea of hopeful faces that you are going to be someone who you are not. Sam Hine, you would roll out of there and they would probably... They'd be like, it's Timothée Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing what. Yeah, maybe. It is Timothée Chalamet. That would be a great scam for me. Yeah. I should do that. Wasn't Get my there, hair cut the same. There was someone who uh, was claiming to be, I don't remember which rapper, like two seasons ago. Do you guys remember that? No. Maybe it was Soldier Boy. <laughs> that would be amazing. With his Gucci headband. What else do you want to talk about? What else do I want to talk about? Oh, I want to talk about, I mean, we've talked a lot about fashion shows, but I did want yeah. to talk about how expensive it is to put on a fashion show. It's a lot of money, huh? Yeah. How well, much How much do we think it is? Well, I was reading this morning that it can be up to $200,000, and that's why a lot of people like decide not to do not it. Not to do it. And it seems really smart. A lot of people ask me, like young brands, as they're, as they're um, getting on their feet and maybe got a little bit of investment or have some money to spend, like how to how should they spend their money you know like hire a pr firm or like like casting you know 
which can be expensive depending on who you're getting or do a runway show. And like, I never really, it's hard to like give people advice on that. Cause it's sort of like, well, what's, do you have a big vision? Do you feel like, like some runway shows are incredible experiences and are totally worth it and totally expand like the vision and like develop a world, you know? I mean, if you're Prada and you collaborate with Rem Coolhouse every season, you have like this amazing opportunity to collaborate with, a design legend and do something totally unusual and unique that can't be done with clothes. Not every, you know, that's a pretty unique, how much do you think their shows cost more than $200,000? Yeah. Probably like a million dollars. I just don't, I never understand how fashion companies have any money. Well, they sell clothes (laughs) and they sell perfume and they sell sunglasses. What else do they sell? Shoes, dreams, dreams, (laughs) wishes, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. It seems like some fashion companies don't have any money and they're over leveraged and then they go out of business or yeah. they get sold or they fold. It seems like the only reason why fashion shows still exist in like the internet age is just because they're like really good at sort of edifying like fashion editors' egos and like right. making the industry sort of feel like cool. And I mean, it's like what you describe in, in what happens in Milan and Paris. Like, and if you can't like replicate that experience, like, in a more economical way, no one's gonna like no. It's just not gonna catch on. It's not gonna be a thing, right? Like a lot of people were at the Bodhi presentation um, because it's just a good collection, and people like presentations because you don't have to be there on time and you can kind of just like go through it on your own, <laughs> on your own, you know, on your own terms. But I think like, but the, it doesn't have the same kind of like the the whole front row aura and and the but like it's really the hierarchy hard to make that of everything. Happen. You know, it's really hard. Yeah. Like, and I find most fashion shows to be really depressing for that reason, especially Mm -hmm. in New York. Because there's a tremendous amount of effort being made to do something that's like maybe not quite. It just feels so retrograde at this point. Yeah. When, when, when the, when the looks are on Vogue runway in you know, half an hour and you can see the clothes better that way. Well, And I also think like there's a more interesting community of people who are talking and thinking about fashion that aren't going to those shows. Right, they're not reaching the right people, you think, necessarily? Sort of. I still think that fashion shows are fun and cool. I think so, too. And not all of them, like anything. But what would make them better? I think they should invite different people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, there's business to be done. A lot of those people are buyers and editors and... um, clients and investors or what have you you know stakeholders and they have I to like all be there people. they're great those people. people yeah those are great people um who well look i think wh- if I think- you had two hundred thousand dollars to spend on your fashion brand twice a year or i would more, i would make my own influencers just groom them yeah i would groom my people own do that virgil's done that yeah i mean that's a that's a strategy. It's the same thing with Telfar. Like he's done it in a, you know not such a cynical way, but there is this group of people that have like risen up with him, like his creative director and like Jeremy O'Hara. It's like the fact that there's mm-hmm. a celebrity playwright in New York right now is really tight. Yeah. Um. And he d- and like Ian Isaiah is another person who's kind he's of awesome. like who's been around, but like you know performed at the last Telfar show and like oh, now he's kind of like at this new level of. Uh, fame. He's in the new issue of GQ, the Frank Ocean issue, mm-hmm. with um, Dev Hines and crew. Really sick story by friend 
of the pod, Alex Frank. He should come on here. Sup, Alex? Um, oh, I wanted to re- just recap. Can we? Uh, do you guys have highlights on um, street style and what people were wearing? Such as, for instance, fleece. Rachel is wearing a tie dye fleece. I am. How many fleeces did you see on the streets of New York? I saw a ton of fleeces, and I'm seeing a lot of deep pile fleeces. Yeah. This is not deep pile. No. You have a sort of a regular um, right. like cinchilla. A, yeah. <laughs> Casual cinchilla. Is that cinchilla. Stussy? It is. It's a Stussy tie-dye fleece. Wow. But people are really wearing those deep pile fleeces, especially the Sandy Liang ones. Men and women wear that, right? Yeah. Even though it's sort of a women's piece or no? Yeah. That's silly to say. Who says that anymore? That's so Well, but she started in 2015 or 16. She had another coat that everyone, like every woman at Vogue had this coat. And it was like like a patent leather jacket with a big oversized like Mongolian fur collar in like pink or lilac. If I showed it to you, you would remember it. So she's a master of like... Simple twists on and turning shit into extremely covetable, like basic outerwear yeah. pieces. Yeah, well, that was just word salad. <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to say? Seems like she's really good at making jackets everybody wants. Yes, yes, exactly. Do you own one? I don't own one. No, they're pretty expensive because they're real. They're real, like shilling. Yeah, they're real shilling. It's wool. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, I back that. Um, Sam Hine wore a fleece. Little capital. Just piece. everybody wore a fleece. Every, 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 everybody wore a fleece. Mine was leopard. Capital. Did I wear one? Nope. Maybe. I wore, wore a, f- a little fur, a fake fur a engineer garments fur. vest. I was getting petted mm-hmm. at the uh, Bodhi show. Um, nice. All right. Anyway, I thought we would do like a fun round of like street style trends we spotted and wanted to talk about. Fleece is not a very inspired one. Everyone knows. But I I am actually like surprised by how it's become. I don't know if I'm surprised, but it's become the biggest trend in menswear. I think of 2019. Definitely, there was a ton of leopard. It's crazy, too. a yeah. leopard print, which was I was I combined two trends in one. Um, but there was a lot. Of don't leopard. make this about you. <laughs> a big trend is Sam Hine. <laughs> Sam Hine is what a I'm huge trying to trend. say is that yeah, bucket hats were also a big. Trend. <laughs> um, those Prada boots. Uh, <laughs> having a twin um why buy the whatever. sam why did you buy the product oh, the Prada boots are popular Prada blundstones because i already have blundstones i bought both <laughs> i think it only wearing them right only now. makes the question more are you wearing one blundstone and one product yeah i'm i'm in favor of the i mean i haven't worn the Prada one but it has a much bigger sole yeah and um I think that's cool. I like when a high fashion brand takes a familiar thing that is known as a more like function, like a more straightforward utilitarian kind of thing and does something crazy with it. But what the and crazy charges thing, six times as much the, money. I like that too. But the crazy thing is always just like making it bigger. It's true. There's like, like they just yeah. pump it up. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. But that's like what all of the fleeces are like. Uh, the yeah. Patagonia deep pile. That's right. That you pumped. take a retro X and you're like, oh, I'm going to add bigger panels. I'm going to deepen the pile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, different colors, different hardware, different color zipper, make it a vest. Antonio did one for Eidos that's really cool that has like the um, the pocket is like an Indian. It's like hand. Block print or something. Yeah, it's like hand printed. Um, I a saw that of, um, up there on the street. I think this was a year or two ago. Dover Street had a deep pile, like retro X fleece 
esque fleece wasn't actually Patagonia, but on the back it had the Patagonia logo, but instead of Patagonia, it said painting. <laughs> Did you guys see this? It <laughs> no. was so Was that a wild. brand painting? I think so. Really? It was I like, remember it was, seeing that. It was like, in. It was for sale in the name. basement. Yeah. Which is the best floor? The basement. Oh, yeah. Is? Yeah. yeah. There's good stuff in the basement. Um. Well, when Mordecai was on here, he told us that his friend said Fleece was dead, and I was like, that's the stupid thing to say because it's like Fleece. But if something's happening, it's dead for Mordecai. He's like, I've already done yeah, that. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's really averse to movements. Um, all right. Yeah, Blundstones and Fleece, I guess. That's all we got. <laughs> Leopard cool print. Cool trend report. It has to be more. Oh, yesterday I was telling you guys. Oh, mid-layers. Oxi- I want to talk mid-layers, about mid-layers. Yeah. Oxygen yeah. bars. <laughs> What Have I you do? ever been to an oxygen bar? That's like a high altitude thing. No. There's, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a scam. That's just a scam. Yeah. Is there still that uh, bar in Midtown where it's freezing? I think, I don't know. Oh, the ice bar. Know. Yeah. Under, it's a, is it at the Marriott? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you you go in and you put on like a little Canada Goose jacket yeah. and you drink vodka on the ice bar. I dig it. I think I that's, think that's fucking cool. really cool. <laughs> I think we should have a GQ party there or a corporate lunch party. A corporate lunch retreat. We should have a corporate lunch party. DM Sam Hine if you want to go to the corporate lunch party. Uh, details, TK, but um, RSVP now. <laughs> All igloos. Um, we'll get their own igloo. Look. Mid-layers. Um, the thing about mid-layers is, you know, anyone interested in technical apparel and layering systems knows that the mid-layer is an essential. It's your insulation can also be worn as the outer layer, but not necessarily. You know, you have a, a base layer next to skin layer, then you have a mid layer insulation, typically fleece down or synthetic down, and then you have a shell, Silk an spider. outer, outer layer, <laughs> <laughs> maybe woven out of um, synthetic spider silk. I don't know, but look, um, a harness is also a cool garment. Lots of people make cool harnesses, including Virgil Abloh at Louis Vuitton. I think it looks sick when you have a crazy leather harness on it I, what, didn't some people wear it under the suit and some people wore it over the suit yeah well so it was shown both ways in the in the show i think it was it was both sort of like over a shirt which i guess would go under a jacket and then it was also shown over a suit there's a picture of but virgil then wearing not a it mid-layer well that's for sure is, one point is that it you know semantics get confusing. a little problematic but the here. best the best mid layers are versatile like that it's true true totally so you have to you're right and you got to call it something um helmet lang has been has been bragging about his early mid layers on instagram which respect to the god i mean it's hard to deny uh helmet lang um credit for lots of things but engineer garments has been making similar like sort of um strappy like body bag kind of holster i don't really even know what how you describe it it's like a vest without any paneling it's just the outline of a vest with like pockets um and i think the the vuitton one looks cool i think timothy chalamet looked sick in it i thought i didn't like it as much on michael b jordan over the suit it's better under the suit yesterday or the day before leandra medine wore like a knit dickie that obviously yeah. you're supposed to tuck into an outer garment. It's a mid-layer, but she wore it on top of her jacket, and that, it looked very sick. That's cool. No women have worn Virgil's harness yet, right? No. Mid-layer. No. Did the Louis Vuitton no. mid-layer. No. Refer, Which he's re- refer to it properly. He's calling it a bib, though. Oh, I thought it was called a... Um, uh, what's I think the he name? clarified that it's a mid-layer garment. 
right? Well, the House put out, um, after Timothy Chalamet wore it, they put out oh, a press release that said it was a bib. Okay. Well, Which is confusing to me because I think of a bib as being actually where the harness is not. Do you know what I mean? That's I right. Think the of bib, bib covers being, the chest. Right. Whereas the harness is sort of the outline of the bib. Right. But mi- that's cool. If oh, that's yeah. what Virgil, he means. Virgil said that they, they, uh, they aren't actually harnesses. They're, quote, bibs. And he added they're empowering, which mm-hmm. I agree with. Yeah, I tried one on and I felt really safe and good. I mean, it's like a suit. It's kind of a, has a superhero vibe to it. I or a slash like, I mean, like holster, like a cowboys wear their holsters or their guns like on a belt, right? Right. right. And, but then, like, maybe if you were in the future, like fighting space aliens, you would have your like guns up on a holster higher on your chest because you do the like arm cross double pull out. Right. You know that motion. Yeah. yeah. He did also call them mid layer garments. All right. Um, congratulations to um, friends of the pod, Justin and Haley Bieber, on their Vogue cover, shot by Annie Leibovitz. Not congratulations on their wedding. Congratulations on their Vogue cover. Yeah, yeah, Th- right. Um, they're newlyweds. You, you're newlyweds, I believe, for a whole year, up until your first anniversary. I think so. So they've only been married for some weeks or some months now, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just settling in, get, getting to know each other. What, what were your takeaways from that story other than, you know, they are like, he is, like, the thing about airport style, like, and like the, what's the, what are the names for Bieber's style? Um, isn't there, aren't there terms for his style, like dirtbag streetwear? Oh, like Scumbro. Uh, Scumbro. Scumbro. Yeah. Um, but really, and like, Really, he's taken. You know, the 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 thing that's been the kind of dominant trend is like dressing like you're going to or coming from the airport, mm-hmm. and um, by that I mean like sort of comfortable clothes that make you look rich, and added with like a certain amount of like dishevelment because you just came off like a long international right. flight, and the two of them together like sort of embody this thing perfectly. And the story itself has a lot of that like coziness. They're like rolling around on a couch together and matching sweats. Right. And he that calls my, her baby boo. He calls her baby boo. That's sweet. That was my takeaway was the, the, um, the coziness and them figuring things out and going to church a lot. Yeah. I mean, he seems really young, but she seems so mature. Yeah. She seems very stable and level headed and, um, they seem like that's good chemistry. They talk a lot about going to therapy together and working on their issues, which is kind of like, but then there was some nice stuff where he was like, you know, we should still uh, enjoy our adolescence. We don't have to grow up mm-hmm. just because we're married. Well, they're living watching in this, us. this hotel together. Yeah, what hotel is it? It doesn't it's say. It's the Beverly Hills Montage. Okay. Have you been there? I have. That's where um, we stayed at Vanity Fair for the Oscar party. And I, oh my God, actually, I once saw him in the elevator. And I was wearing silk pajamas. Just like, because that's what you wear sometimes. Well, because we, so we were, when we were there for the Oscar party, we would work in the hotel. Like we rented out a suite as the office. Right. And then we also all stayed there. So like, it was really cool because Judge Judy lived in like the attic, you know, like the (laughs) penthouse of this hotel. So you'd be in the elevator and you would see like Judge Judy and then you would see Fran Lebowitz. And it was, it was such a dream. But 
So I was wearing, like, because we were just going back and forth, you know, to our rooms, to the office, like, I was wearing these green and blue silk paisley pajamas with, like, fur slippers or something. Just and he, casual. He got This into, is an outfit that you would wear to work, though, yes. also, right? He got into the elevator, and he was wearing a Saint Laurent, like, palm tree print mm-hmm. shirt. This was in 2015 or 16. And he got in the elevator and he said, yo, girl, you've got wicked style. Wow. <laughs> this is the highlight of my life. Oh what did you say? I said, thanks. Damn. Yeah. You didn't compliment him on his cool St. Laurent Palms jacket? I didn't really like that. Wow. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, no reason to, you know how I feel about compliments and talking to, um, strangers essentially about clothes. I respect that. You were not obligated to return the compliment. I don't think Bieber is a stranger, but I also think if I gave him a false compliment, he would be able to tell. He would be like, you don't really look girl. You don't really believe that. I like how Bieber thinks that he's an adolescent when he's like 25. Yeah. He did say adolescent. That means that I'm still an adolescent. I think you are. Which is exciting. (laughs) I'm glad. Um, go on. <laughs> you want me to tell more Justin Bieber stories? No, I want. Once I was to I- make sure. I want to feel. I want. I would just want to make sure everyone has said what they think about. Um, the Beavers on the cover of Vogue in their big story. They had some of the best street style fits of of um, late 2018. I thought. I didn't realize that. I know he has this brand Drew, which is um his middle name, and I didn't realize that their first drop maybe was. Hotel, hotel slippers, slippers that they sold for five bucks that's cool really cool that's wildly cool and i've never has another streetwear brand done hotel slippers and sold them for five bucks no that's marnie has some good ones coming out um this season but they're five hundred dollars yeah i don't but they're not i mean they're in the style of hotel slippers but they're not i mean like hotel slippers mew mew did some for yeah. their cruise collection uh you think they make those in men's sizes that would be like a, a good I think they can make it happen for you. I, <laughs> like special order? Yeah. Um, you should scam. You should be like, I'm Agnes Varda's representative. <laughs> she has uh, really huge feet, weirdly. <laughs> oh, the other thing we don't, I mean, we don't have to talk, but I feel like we've already spoken a lot about Helmut Lang, but I did want to mm. ask you, why do you think, like so many young designers who I've interviewed, mm-hmm. but also who I've just read interviews with, they always name check. Margella and Helmut Lang. And I'm wondering why that is. Is it just a timing thing? Is it that like that's now we're like 20 or 30 years past those people. So that's like what people are into. I don't think it ever went away. I mean, men's fashion has a pretty different history than women's, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there are fewer, way fewer like references to look to, I guess just within the canon of like fashion, you know? Um, people talk about it less because I think it's less uh, hip seeming. But Armani, I think, is just as influential. If you look at um, hit what everyone's doing in tailoring, and has been for a few years. But people, I think, prefer to mention Margiela and Helmet like in interviews because they're like more esoteric. Um, one thing. That's just a fact that it almost seems unfair. I it seems to me is Helmet was the first to take like v- military stuff, workwear, 
jeans, um, as well as like t-shirts and like, you know, parkas, all this like utilitarian stuff and make it fashion. I think. Or if he wasn't the first or what, you know, whatever the timeline, how, wherever that timeline stands, he did it early and he did it extremely well. When he sold jeans for like $300, it was kind of a, a big deal, right? Yeah, and they were yeah. painted and they were like, you know, I, he was the, those were the first premium fashion jeans. So some of it is just that helmet got there first. He also was, I guess, again, this could be totally wrong, but my sense is that he's the first designer to do these like really high concept collaborations with artists. Yeah. Who like did he, he collaborate with? Uh, Louise Bourgeois, yeah. Jenny Holzer. Yeah. yeah, he. I mean, yeah. And he also, as we noted earlier uh, in this episode, this is episode 48 of Corporate Lunch. 47. 47. Shit! This is episode 47 of Corporate Lunch. Maybe now's the time for my office meltdown that I've been trying <laughs> to have. Uh, can't quite summon the energy. Look, um, yeah, he... Uh, also dipped out in 2005. Like he dipped out right at the perfect moment where he didn't he didn't get major exposure on like blogs while he was still doing it and he didn't get like there was never any like helmet fatigue for him personally. The brand continues, the brand still exists, but you know the when it's referred to like by designers and reference what they mean is the brand as it was when Helmet was in charge. When did Margela leave Margela? Fact check. He left in 2008. Okay. Because it was just over 10 years ago, I think. But when after Helmet left, people didn't really like want Helmet era Helmet, right? It was like people were moved on. And then only recently has this sort of like archival obsession sort of hit, right? I don't know that that's true. I mean, obviously like Grailed makes that sort of thing way more apparent. But I can't say that there weren't – that people adored Helmet Lang. And I think still did. But there wasn't that this. uh, Because like when Margela left, I know when I was in Antwerp talking to people there, there were like Margela clients who were still out there like lost in the world because they didn't have anything to buy since Margela left the house. Like there were like, like I was at Solar Shop with Jan Jan Van Esch and he's like, yeah, you know, we got a lot of Margela um, like clients who come here and buy from me. So, sort of implying like because all their margella is like fully disintegrated at this point <laughs> well I mean, that's a you small know, that's a small that's probably a small group of people but yeah. like nowadays like you know everyone who buys like sort of semi-rare like helmet era stuff is like an archivist but back yeah, then i think timing. i think there wasn't really uh there wasn't really a market for it um and now like everyone goes to pro and ebay and like you know david cassavant seems like he was sort of on the early side of that of that wave he was buying all this stuff for super cheap on ebay I went like the to the uh, mid 2000s because nobody else wanted it. I went to the Helmet Lang clearance store when he left, and um, I think the business closed for a while before like Andrew Rosen or somebody bought it and revived it. But there was a sample sale in Soho at the, this huge Helmet Lang store, and it was just a sea of boxes full of clothes from like the history of the brand. I bought nothing. I remember it being like a frenzy. I was like a ki- I was like in college or something. At, well, I was just out of college or something i had no money i didn't really get it i just left empty-handed how did you get invited it wasn't like private or anything it was just like open there used to be like good sample sales in new york used to be like a thing that were good right and like interesting and you would like it was it wasn't 
I don't know what they're like now because I don't go. I don't even know if they exist. I never even hear about them except like for editors sometimes get invited to like. I guess those are sample sales. When is the comb sample sale happening again? I don't know. That was epic. That it was a once. Happens, that was once yeah. every three. Lifetime. It's every three years, right? I think oh, it's. Really? I think it's That's longer than that me. because the last one I went to was in 2014. The last one I went to was right after. No, there was one in there Chelsea. One oh, three right, years ago. right. I went to that one too. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. It was like an arena. I mean, well, that was a kind of a Dover Street yeah. calm. That's right. Collab. Like, I pulled the Noah Johnson and like didn't really buy anything there. Oh, like, I bought some stuff. I bought one of those like weird lace pinafores, like the overall dresses. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to be the helmet of our era? We. I just want helmet. I just want to say I think. Um, <laughs> Margela is the equivalent, but for conceptual fashion, painting, you know, for like whatever deconstructed, I mean, what are the terms you need here? Um, just like fashion as art, you know? Right. But still like wearable, but painted stuff and taken apart stuff and inside out stuff and sort of reappropriated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think we need to move on? Well, I think it's interesting that those are the ones that are named. I was rereading like earlier this week the system interview that Kathy Horn did in 2015. And she was like, there are like no designers like that now. Like there are no young designers like Margiela or like Helmet who have something to say about the time that we're living in. Yeah. I mean, let's like check back in on that in 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. That's such a harsh criticism. I just, I know it really is a harsh criticism, but you also like, you know, when you're Also, what does that even mean? Why would you say that? I feel like that's like, I mean, plenty of people have that opinion about movies and music, right? Like there hasn't been a good movie in since Chinatown. I don't know, like people who are like hardcore and, and hate new stuff. That's a thing, right? Across the culture. Yeah. But I also think that like, those aren't like just because those people did that like it wasn't like there were people 10 years before them who were doing that do you know what i mean like it's not a it could just be that that's the way that like fashion functioned in the 90s because that's also like the first kind of decade where fashion wasn't this like you know kind of like rare exclusive like luxury universe yeah so i don't know that that's really a fair statement either um, is there a helmet amongst us right now? I mean, you know, I don't know. Raph's still doing it. Demna. He's so cynical, though. But don't you think that he's he he of any designer most like encapsulates and captures sort of like the horrible internet age that we live in, just like the hell yeah. world? I think he's been as influential on visual culture as Steve Jobs was. Who Demna? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Like he was the first I to mean, like. I mean, maybe I'll let you continue. To- <laughs> I like. I think he made everything ugly. Like everything now is ugly and over designed. Yeah. And I know that sounds bad. I think he's very consciously doing that. I yeah. think he's consciously making things ugly and over designed. And he In did this- that. And he did that to normal thing, to normal clothing, like exactly. just to Levi's and Hanes t-shirts, mm-hmm. which is not all that dissimilar from, I guess, what Helmet did. But I think. And he made them all nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Plus. Well, it has and to I be think expensive. he also made people expect that, like, you know, we should all be able to or think that we should be able to pay $900 for, like, yeah. a sweatshirt. Yeah. 
I yeah, think he, a new he raised the bar on like aspiration slash. I mean, imagine the difference between like saving all your money to buy a pair of Common Projects versus saving all your money to buy a pair of Balenciaga Triple S. Like as a as a kid, like working a summer job, you need to get you're like gonna get a pair of sneakers. Like that's a, that's a the difference between a four hundred dollar sneaker, which is insane, and then a nine hundred dollar sneaker, which is just like, how much are Triple S's? They were nine. I think they were five or something. Yeah, like eight ninety five or nine ninety five. Eight ninety five. I mean, I think there will be a strong case to be made that that's the most influential sneaker of, like, since God knows when, since like the first Jordan, but since it the really, first Air Max. But like, it, I don't even know. It transcends sneakers, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. I see what you mean. Yeah, it does. Uh, the thing that I like about that, or that's appealing about that, is the way it opens up other like doors and channels and lanes. You know, like. Obviously, Martine Rose, um, the designer, the London designer, worked for Demna at Balenciaga, but um, and has been doing it like since longer before him. But there's like other designers I feel like that like do a little of it, whether it's like messing with proportion or whatever. And then it, I I don't know, like once the whole um, once the context is totally different, then things, then aesthetics change too. Like Demna created this like whole other aesthetic world, and then you have like I don't know other interesting stuff that's like more wearable or more accessible or more interesting happening, like like what I don't know what Yeezy. Yeah, well, I guess there's this expectation that like even the simplest things, like you don't have to change the way they look or make them like nicer in any kind of like visually measurable way but you have to make them with like the nicest available materials even if that's not apparent to the person who's looking at it or yeah. even buying it that's the that's the vetmont way you think yeah yeah i feel like the vetmont way is making I, I feel like though you pay for the concept more than the construction you know yeah put a lot of that stuff i mean like well, I don't know. What was the purpose of all those collaborations? Wasn't that wasn't that about getting the best makers in the world to make? But isn't he just ugly isn't it, stuff? But isn't it being? Isn't aren't like the Champion hoodies manufactured by Champion and the Levi's jeans made by Levi's and the? Not that I mean those are quality products, but you can buy right. the normal stuff for yeah a hundred dollars because it doesn't take that much to actually produce them sixty dollars. But it's interesting that like uh like the way that he collaborates with brands like it makes the uncool collaborator so much cooler do you know what i mean yeah. like like manolo blahnik was always cool to a certain like group of people but the fact that it then worked with uh demna was that for ventmont or balenciaga i can't remember I think Ventmont. like that made manolo blahnik so much cooler and like weirder and more interesting yeah. to people that's true and like just the their core product like but- not anything Maybe the flaw in your theory about Demna and Steve Jobs is just like I know I my understanding is that Balenciaga is doing very well, but Vetmont seems to have gone a little quiet. No, in terms of I like, think they would they disputed that publicly. Yeah, I don't even want to. Yeah, not even referring to those rumors and like sales rumors and stuff. It just feels less. I just feel like I see it less, or I f- see people one thing that tips me off is that I see people being angry about it less mm-hmm. whereas people used to be really angry about Vetmont all the time but don't you think they've just transposed that anger to Balenciaga maybe or they're just used to it 
they're like even more upset about Balenciaga. But it's funny because like people who I think of as like creatively legitimate love Balenciaga. So I don't think like, you know, people are like, oh, it's like, a jo-, you know, the worst sort of opinion of it. it's like it's this joke on rich people. Yeah. But I know like people who I think of as having a lot of creative integrity that like wear and love Balenciaga. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome too. I mean, the triple S like should be in a museum, like just for its cultural significance. It like shifted the Overton window of like what which museum sneakers should look like. All of them. <laughs> All uh, museums. New mandatory uh, museum the MoMA requirement. And the Costume Institute. Um, but like, I mean, if you go to like ASOS or or any of the stores in like the the you know World Trade Center Mall, you see the influence of the triple s oh yeah Every, everyone has a shoe that's almost like identical including like nike like sort of rushed to make you know the mk2 is that mm-hmm. what it's called super so. cool shoe i think but like it's hard to read that as anything but a response in a way and you see people wearing it as such i think obviously like nike is nike but still i also don't think i also think that there's less balenciaga hate now than there used to be just because of how it, it only took a few seasons, but I think the tastes have just shifted mm-hmm. in in favor of the oversized, ugly aesthetics. I, I think, think it's like the ironic stuff that people don't like as much, like the World Food Program. I mean, maybe that's like technically serious, but it's like a nine hundred dollar charity hoodie. Yeah, and I think that's like people look at that and are like, people were a little upset little about bummed. that most recent Vemma collection that they just showed in Paris with those sweatshirts that said like it's my birthday and all I got is a Vemma sweatshirt, which is amazing. Yeah. I think that's like that's the coolest sweatshirt anyone has made in years. Um, all right, maybe we spent too much time talking about Vemma and Balenciaga. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it was just the right amount of time. Um, let's do some vibes. Thirteen vibes. Um, Sam, why don't you kick it off since you're here? All right, you got one. Um, yeah, my vibe is uh, is Stephen Yoon's fit from the other night. Was he uh, wearing Isimiyaki? He was wearing yeah. Isimiyaki home plisse, white pleated casual suit. Looks really cool. I think you can future, find the image on the GQ Instagram account. Future should do a song that's just him saying Issy Miyake over. And over. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. We'll get you in touch with his people. Um, I'm going to do a counter vibe to that. I agree. I love that fit and I love him. I am um, averse to layering with dark under light because he's wearing a okay. black sweater under a white or off-white suit. And as much as I love that suit on him, I just wish the sweater or the underpinning was white. I think the layering should be lightest at the bottom, working your way out to darker on the outside. Okay, so my vibe is canceled. Cool. No, your vibe is not canceled. I'm just, it's sort of a complimentary vibe. So, well, it's a <laughs> contradictory vibe. Um, but look, hey, we're all entitled to our own vibes. And... Um, I just can't do a, a black under a white, but but I did love that fit. That was kind of that was kind of a messed up vibe. <laughs> it was Sam's first vibe, and I just kind of shit on it. <laughs> Rachel, what do you got? Latte art. Oh come on! What's wrong with latte art? 
My only problem with latte art is that they take those extra two seconds to do a thing rather than handing me my latte. I don't drink lattes. So but you, okay, so first of all, lattes. I drink cortados. Yeah. Lattes are back, but I mean, lattes are, you are gnarly because no one ever talks about the fact that a latte is just a cup of milk. It's <laughs> just a cup of hot milk. That's cool. <laughs> so That's like what you drink before you go to it's bed. What my baby drinks every night. But if you're telling me that if you went to like Joe, the art of coffee trademark, and they handed you a latte, they pushed it across the yeah. table to you, and, and there's it a said, weed leaf on it. It's, there was a weed leaf, and it said Noah in a little circle. You wouldn't flip your lid. I would take a picture and Instagram it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they do that. They do names. Sure. I know there's like latte art competitions where they do like very. It's a little bit like the sandcastle competitions where they do like really elaborate designs. Mm-hmm. I guess that's cool. You know, you gotta have something. I don't know like where you learn to do that. All right, anyway. Um, all right. This is maybe another controversial vibe, but shout out to everyone who dresses for the month rather than the weather. There was a lot of dudes out there on Fashion Week wearing like full like 10-pound shearling coats on Monday, February, what was it, 6th? 6th. It was 60 degrees out. And uh, there's one homie wearing a turtleneck under a sweatshirt under a massive shearling coat. And he wore it all day, and he never took it off. Honestly, shout out to that commitment. Is you got to respect is the people saw, sweating? For I saw fashion. the person you're talking about, and I kept trying to get a photograph of that person taking runway photos of people in because I, I was sitting across from this person at a show where there were huge silhouettes, and they were taking photos in their huge silhouette of the huge silhouette, but I couldn't quite get there. But I it looked it looked pretty incredible. It looked voluminous. I think just looking voluminous is mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Is the deal that this guy picked out this outfit in advance, he planned out, he scheduled his week of outfits, and he was committed and wasn't going to change his mind no matter what the weather was? Yeah, the weather turned right. It was, what What was it? It was like 20 degrees, and then the next day it was 60, and it was fashion week all of a sudden, and all of all of the pre-planned fits went were, were instantly obsolete. Mm-hmm. But it's like everyone who dressed his- for February... He got his stuff mailed to him in a box. Yeah. Honestly, respect. The next vibe is the military fatigue trouser known as Baker pants, which are uh, mostly, you know, olive green drab um, twill or, or other type of cotton army pant that has two square front pockets uh, where your hands go, and they're not—they're not cargo pants, and two flat pockets on the back. You know the style of pant, even if uh, I'm not describing it well enough. They're the best, I think. Get them real old, vintage, washed out, baggy. Shout out to Sam Shuby was wearing a pair yesterday. Shout out to Matt Zebra, two two GQ legends. Wear them frequently. I'm wearing them. They can be gotten on Etsy. There's a million pairs on Etsy. Get them wide and short. Baker pants. You guys ordering Baker pants right now? Is yeah. this an ad read? Yeah. These get are them, vibes. It's sort of like wide ad reads. <laughs> I was being servicey. U.S. Army sponsored the pod. Enlist <laughs> uh, today. Me? Yeah. Moir Silk. What is it? Moir Silk. Spell it? M-O-I-R-E. It's the silk that looks like water has been spilled on it. That has like a kind of wave mm-hmm. grain to it, almost mm-hmm. like wood. Mm-hmm. I just think it's beautiful. 
Where do you find it? In um, what type of garment? A lot or of people, curtain, yeah. A lot of people like it's traditionally it's like a couture fabric, so like it's in a lot of like fifties dresses. It's expensive. Yeah, but you could do it in a silk. How would I incorporate or like in a it? Suit. A suit. Yeah. Someone does that, or I would have well, to custom Rachel, order. Well, Rachel Rachel Comey did one for women, like a pink. This week at that show? No, it was. It's in oh. stores now. Rachel Comey, um, to me, is one of the coolest brands. I think it's really one of the coolest brands. And um, what what's the deal? Should she make more men's clothes? Do you think she should? And that's how she started. And I think you can kind of tell. There's like her yeah. her approach to fashion is like very outside of the system. It's very much like her own her own sort of like customer. She always does a really in. cool like show. Yeah, runway show. It was in a gallery this last week, right? Where mm-hmm. was it? Somewhere there was art around. I don't yeah. really know the details. That's annoying. Didn't she tease some menswear? Wasn't there a moment of like a men's little capsule? No? Am I thinking of I think something few, else? I think like three seasons ago, she had some men in her show. It was like the one that was on the street. Yeah. Like on Crosby right. Street or something. Right. Maybe that was just a, a brief moment. Damn it, Rachel. What do you got? I meant damn it, Rachel Comey, make more men's clothes. Oh, right. I thought you were But I was looking me. right at yeah. you <laughs> as I was shouting it. Uh, my vibe is men in pearls. Haven't I done that before? Rachel's no clapping. Way. That's an original vibe. There's a lot I've of good, a lot of pearl necklaces and, out there. Yeah. They look good. It's been a while though. Like Rocky's been wearing pearl necklaces for a while. I think yeah. probably Raph. Um well, Pharrell's showed, been wearing Chanel pearls for a while. Yeah, Raph really, showed some really pearl fly. accessories two seasons ago, I think. Um uh, Needles makes pearl necklaces that are dope. I think that's what um friend of the pod um was wearing who plays for the Detroit Lions. Uh, uh, Romeo. Romeo. Shout out Romeo Quara. He was in the office the other day wearing a pearl necklace. Number Camille 65. Fortunes makes a pearl necklace. I don't know. I'm not ready. Are you gonna? You could wear one. You have the I'm right ready. type of feminine energy. <laughs> I think I would just fuck it up and like break them and like just be embarrassing. I'm gonna you ask could... my grandparents. My gr- I'm gonna ask my grandma. A pearl She's got earring, a, maybe. Uh, pearls. Yeah, a pearl around. earring or like even on a little jacket. What do you mean? Pearls on the jacket? Pearls on the jacket. Like embroidered into the pockets or something? Yeah. I'm not doing that. Rachel's got some great pearl lined, pearl rimmed glasses. I oh, do. yeah. They're fake. They're iconic. Yeah, they're, they're real. They're fake, but they're, they're fake. cool. Um, you're going to get a pearl necklace. Mm-hmm. All right. I back it. Um, I don't have another vibe. You go. Seashells. You can't say seashells after a pearl necklace. <laughs> I feel like you did seashells as a vibe last time you were on here. You I did? did? That was a trick vibe. You wanted to see. The only rule of 13 vibes you is you can test, never repeat You want to test the vibes. memory? I'll let you repeat the vibe, but it's got to be. I mean, it's not for me to let you do. You can. You are entitled to repeating any vibes you want. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just leave it there. Yep. Chef's hats? Yeah, How about those are chef's cool. hats? Yeah. Actually, I saw, I was recently looking at, as I do, photos of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, and at the end of one of their shows, I think maybe spring 2015, Mary Kate Olsen was wearing a pair of jeans with a white chef shirt, and it looked fantastic. Yeah, chef shirts are cool. They're kind of like, Noah did chef shirts. Yeah. They, that's not what they were called. They were like double-breasted shirts. Right, the right, reality, with a mandarin collar. I think I talked about this, but I was like, no, no, they had a, a, a like a peak, like a collar, huh. you know, 
The double-breasted Noah shirt has yeah, a collar. I have one in denim. I got one, and I was super psyched, and I got home, and Jane was like, oh, you're a chef. And I was like, hmm. I really want those chef pants, like the actual ones that you buy from a chef supply store. With the herringbone? Yeah. Or like the... With like, it's like the, the micro gingham. They have gingham. a white and black yeah, gingham I have a pair of um, ex-girl pants that look like chef pants. But you should get the ones that have chili peppers on them. Ew. That's Picante. a good. Yeah. And then bear and then wear them with Crocs. With Crocs. Do you think they have them at that there's that um that uniform supply store in uh, Tribeca? That what store is, is amazing. I, I don't know. You have to meet a chef and get him to give you his pants. It's the only way. Do I have to just go to work it. in a I should just go work in a kitchen to get them. Couldn't you just the go to the shop? <laughs> <laughs> just buy them on eBay, dude. Whatever. Um All right. Do we have any other vibes? God damn it. Do I need another vibe? I'm blowing it. I'm just going to check my email really quick. <laughs> In case someone emailed you I don't know. Vibe. We've been doing this for like an hour and 45 minutes. So, all right. We're out of vibes. Um, Rachel, do you have any fast, fast, last vibes? Last, fast vibes? Seashells. All right. Sam? Nope. This is episode 47 of Corporate Lunch. I'm Noah Johnson. I'm here with Sam Hine, Rachel Seville-Tashian. Please... Tell your friends about this podcast and how it's changed your life. It'll make you a better person. Um, good luck on your on all your scams, and may you um, may the scams that happen upon to you, you know, not destroy you, but embrace them and pay it forward. Write a review on um, your favorite podcast hosting network. Come back for episode forty-eight next week. We will maybe talk about Valentine's Day. Um, tell tell someone you love them buy them chocolates alright we're done see you next time